Welcome to the Film Coterie. I'm Roger. I'm Adam. And this is episode 67 for the week of December 17th, 2018. How are you, Adam? Exhausted. (laughs) Christmas is next week. Yes. We've had a ton of screenings. I believe I was in the theater six times in the last seven days. Um, That's a heavy load for me because I have a real job and I'm not at a festival this week. So that's a ton of screening time. Yes. And if it wouldn't have been just for some, you know, swim meets and other things with my kids, I probably would have been there with you for several of those. But I, too, popped in a couple, three movies this week. And, uh, yeah, this is going to be one of two episodes that we're recording today, both to be released uh, this one next week and then the following one between Christmas and New Year's. And so it's good to be back in the studio with you, my friend, and to be talking movies and uh, getting to spend some time with you in the theater this week. Um, but anything else exciting happening? What else is going on, man, in your life? Anything exciting happening? I need to actually do my Christmas shopping. We were talking oh, about boy. that earlier. Now, wh- now, do you- Amazon has made me wait to the last minute, even more so than in my past. That was my question. What is the cutoff day for Amazon? Do you know? I don't know. So we're a little a week. We're a little more than a week away from Christmas. It's next Tuesday. I'd say you're probably good if you can order by Wednesday or Thursday this week. Okay. Because they will deliver on Christmas Eve. It makes you a little nervous and crossing your fingers. Everything's going to show up on the porch. But I think you can still yep. get Christmas Eve deliveries. And I think you're heading out of town for Christmas, right? Yep. So Heading back down to Texas. I'll see the family. What's well, good? Eat some barbecue. Yep. Unlike my Thanksgiving where I had, I think you ended up with 18 people here and friends from out of state who came in, my Christmas is going to be very quiet. Just the immediate family and uh, my uh, uh, mother-in-law and brother-in-law. So we only have about seven of us at the whole for the whole big meal and everything. So I'm kind of looking forward to that. It's going to be yeah, kind of nice. nice you know, it's kind of nice to have that smaller, more intimate uh, family time together. But um Man, we've got some movies. We've got like at least four or five movies we're going to talk about over the next two episodes that we're recording today, and I'm very excited about them. I don't know. How about you? You fired up? You ready to go? Yeah. Today we're going to be talking about uh, The Favorite and then Vice, the new movie from Adam McKay. Right. So let's just take a quick break and listen in on a little bit of The Favorite, and then we'll come back and give you our thoughts. This is the Film Coterie Podcast. I am a person of honor, even if my station is not. Even if I were the last one left in this wretched place, I would remain a lady. (laughs) You're pretty when outraged. So my secrets are safe with you? All of them. Good. Even your biggest secret. Abigail. (gasps) If you forget, to load the pellet. The gun fires, makes a sound, but releases no shot. It is a great jape, do you agree? Yes. Maybe we will think of a use for it one day. Sometimes it is hard to remember whether you have loaded the pellet or not. I do fear confusion and accidents. I'm sure people will be careful. So first up today, we're going to be talking about The Favorite, the newest movie from Yorgos Lanthimos. Yes. And if that name doesn't ring a bell... Maybe it should. I think you should check out his filmography. It includes The Lobster, uh, more recently Killing of a Sacred Deer, and then in the past he had Dogtooth and Alps. So if you've never seen a Yorgos movie before, 
they operate on kind of a level of absurdity. His universe is pretty similar to ours. It maybe feels five feet to the left. Yeah. Something's always off. Something's weird. I love his films, though. They are... They mess with your mind at times. They're they're a little bit off kilter. Um, Yorgos, uh, looking up his IMD, uh, his bio, he's from Athens, Greece, and uh, studied film school in Athens there. And, And so he is kind of an artist. He's an auteur. He... He... He wants to push the boundaries a little bit, you know, and um, I know The Killing of a Sacred Deer, I walked out of that movie, I see a lot of movies, not maybe as many, nearly as many as you, Adam, but I see a lot of movies, relatively speaking, in a year, and I walked out of that going, what in the world was going on in that movie? It was interesting, yet messed with my mind, like, oh. Um, some of the characteristics of Yorgos' film a lot of monotone delivery in his, in the dialogue. He doesn't. I I, I would say the favorite uh, is probably the most expressive dialogue of any of his movies that I've seen. Um, but man, if you get a chance, you're going to have some time over Christmas, and you're really a film nerd. You're into film film. You're into films. Go back and check out the Lobster, or go get the Killing of a Sacred Deer, or Dogtooth. Um, it, it's going to be totally worth it. Or just go see The Favorite. Yeah, and actually, I think I'd recommend The Favorite above those others because it is by far his most accessible film, I'd say, to a mainstream audience. He didn't write this one, so this one he does not have a writing credit on it. He he adapted the work from some other people. And it's not absurd in the usual Yorgos way. He just kind of plays with the absurdity that existed in the English court and yeah. in the English monarchy with the aristocrats there's just a natural absurdity there that that's right in his wheelhouse so he kind of plays with that instead of making it in kind of a weird universe well i I will say this i think you're right adam i would recommend go see the favorite and if you really like the favorite you might dip your toe into some of his other works is what i would say you know um but so so the favorite let's just kind of lay some of the you started to bring it up just talk to our listening audience a little bit about what the favorite is and and kind of what the storyline is and who's involved in that. So the favorite is a look at Queen Anne's reign. Queen Anne, if you're not familiar with her, was a kind of unique monarch in that she was a little bit more hands-off than some of the previous ones. She was very sickly. Um, She had a lot going wrong with her. But in her stead... And this is going to be interesting to tie into the movie Vice, which we're talking about later. Right. She had Lady Sarah, Lady Sarah Churchill, who was her maid, who was her really liaison between the aristocrats and the nobles and the politicians. And Lady Sarah was really running the country. Yeah. Now, one thing to take note of is Lady Sarah uh, went on to become one of the richest women in Europe. And a lot of the books based on Queen Anne were all from Lady Sarah's point of view. So she may have told the story in her own way. She may have portrayed Queen Anne as a weakling, sickly, everything else. But from Sarah's point of view, it was Sarah who was kind of running the show. Right. No, absolutely. And um, the setup is here comes uh, Abigail, uh, played by Emma Stone, who was once a lady and father lost her. Now, us giving you some of these plot details does not no. detract in one ounce from the movie, so don't freak out about this. But anyway, Emma Stone is a once uh, a lady of society, and her father lost her in a in a gambling bet, a poker bet, poker game, 
And so she was disgraced and um, married a um, man of ill repute and um, basically is trying to build her life back. And so she comes to court looking for anything she can possibly gain and begins in the kitchens and pretty soon works her way right into the inner sanctum with the queen and with Lady Sarah. Yeah, so they're actually cousins. So Abigail Hill, the hills were, were related to the Church Hills, and they're, they'd lost their lands and their titles. But you have these two characters that are going for different things. Lady Sarah's worried about the country, and there's a political dispute and a war that she's trying to manage. And she's trying to do what's best in her mind for the country. Abigail's looking out for herself. Right. She's trying to establish yes. her place back in the ability, get a name, get a title, protect herself, and move up. So they're naturally butting heads. And it's very it's played to some comedic effect, but this is all pretty much a true story. I mean, there's a lot of artistic license here. We'll never know what sure. they said. Yeah. But if you look up the true story between these two women, the secret marriages, the plotting, leaving court, coming back, a lot of it is true in now, the broad strokes. Yeah, the bones of the story are there. Uh, what we get is there's this spin, this, 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 this. And the writers on this even are like nobodies. I've never heard. I, I I forget who they were. I looked them up, but they didn't have any kind of a credit um, that I that I even recognized. Yeah, Deborah Davis, and um, she's known for the favorite. <laughs> you know, um, I mean, and so the script is really good. Um, in this, the script is really good here. You know, I I, I think this movie. There's so many moving parts to this. Um, and in your ghost, what he what he brings to it, the first thing that will jump out to you that I would point out about this movie is his use of, of lenses and the camera. Mm -hmm. Explain a little bit about that, Adam, how the, the unique approach that he brings with lenses that might be a little bit off putting and different compared to other films. He likes a fisheye lens in this movie. He uses that a couple of times. And then it's just the angles he works from. So he likes to shoot from the corners of a room. Or from really low or really high, like in, in Killing of a Sacred Deer for all the hallway talking scenes, I mean, the camera looked like it was damn near scraping the roof following these characters. Yeah, it's crazy. In a hospital. So Yorgos is always playing with not really a straight on camera angle. That It makes you more or less feel like you're in the room or something. It takes you out of it enough that you don't well, feel like you're just watching these two characters talk. Well, the biggest thing that I took away from, especially with his use of the fisheye lens, is he quite often gives you a almost 180 degree view. Like you will see three sides of every room, like three sides of the room. And then he will move the fisheye with the, with the people. And that really is kind of a, it, it shows you how large and grand these rooms are, but it feels so confined because it is the fisheye lens, you know? And so that's, that has, I think a, a unique effect on the, on the, on the viewer uh, when they approach the film. The other thing that stood out to me is, um, besides the use of lenses, is natural lighting. I don't know that he used hardly any studio lighting whatsoever. It is obvious this film was shot using tons of natural light. Um, characters will walk across windows and go completely dark, you know, when they're between windows and then right back into the light. Um, a lot of nice scenes outside that are shot during the day, but even scenes outside that are overcast and they have a real hazy gray um, heaviness to them at times, you know? So I, I loved the lighting in this film. Um, 
don't know, Adam, anything else stand out to you that direction? Well, I mean, I'd like to jump into actually acting at this point because sure. I think you're going to hear the favorite when it comes time to announce the Academy Awards. One, I'm not going to be shocked if it's up for Best Picture. I'm not either. But two, I'm positive that all three ladies here are going to get nominated because you have some really strong work from Olivia Coleman, Rachel Weiss, and Emma Stone. Olivia Coleman plays Queen Anne, and she takes a character that could be one note. Yes. She could be just this horrible person, this queen that's always whining for help or anything else, but she plays her, to me, as a very sympathetic character yeah. that you, you kind of bond with and see that she needs this emotional attachment from these two women. She likes a little bit of the competition between them. But she takes a one-note character and adds a lot of depth to it. Now, I'm going to say this. I I would put Olivia Coleman as actress, lead actress. She's probably going to get supporting, but... To, how do you divide these three roles up? <laughs> I don't know how they do it. You know, how would you they're, do Because they're so important, but to me... And honestly, here you should know, there's no central character in this film. No. It's not like the film follows one of these characters. They all no. have scenes with yes. and without each other. I'd say they're all technically leads, but you know how they go. Yeah. Some supporting and some lead. Yeah. To me, she's the lead actress. Because to me, she's the anchor... There are some scenes where she's not in it, but it all revolves around her. And if she's a one-note character and she becomes a caricature, then this movie falls apart. But she's not. There's real depth there, real emotion, real sense of needing to trust and to um, uh, find a, a connection to give her some support for this mantle that she carries as the queen, you know, Um very interesting. Uh, and I would say, so I think the three performances are incredible, all Oscar worthy. I think absolutely this movie will be near, if not on my best of 2018. I will not be shocked if it is listed uh, as a nomination for best picture. Um, so I, I think all of that is absolutely great and very well deserving, in my opinion. I mean, it's just, it's just, and, and but, but on top of all that, this movie's funny. Yes. Very, it has a very dark sense of humor. Very, it just scratched my my black comedy, dark comedy, my weird comedy vein just the right way. And I find my I found myself chuckling out loud. We were at a press screening, and I'm chuckling out loud, and I'm not alone. Several of the other press people there were laughing out loud at some of the scenes in the film. And then we have Rachel Weisz playing Lady Sarah, and I guess it's Sarah Churchill, who's a very interesting historical character. As she was raised as a lady, and she did not receive, you know, some of the education and some of the training that a male would have received at the right. time. Yeah. But she had a phenomenal mind for politics, phenomenal mind for uh, military engagements. I mean, the men at the time respected her. Of course, these stories are told from her perspective as, as she wrote a lot of the books or gave the information for a lot of books written yeah. about her. But she was a mind that was truly unique at the time, and she was she was fit for all the roles that a leader would need to take. And Rachel Weisz plays her really well because she was the opposite of Emma Stone, where Emma Stone would lie and be charming and and really kind of, you know, butter you up with compliments and everything else. Rachel Weisz was blunt. If you look like a badger, she says you look like a badger with that makeup. Yeah. And she would never lie to the queen. And, and you know, they're, they're two opposite characters, and they play off each other so well that way. But I thought Rachel Weisz had a really good commanding presence without just being like a, a harpy. No, or yeah. just bitter and mean. Well, well, there she was. She was the 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 vein of honesty, whether it's brutally hurtful, or beautifully, or or brutally helpful. One of the two, you know. 
Whereas um, Emma Stone's character, Ab- Abigail, she was absolutely, she was 100% honey whenever she was in the presence of the queen. And as soon as she was outside of the presence of the queen, she became vinegar to everybody else around her, you know? And she's got this level of street smarts that her character would have oh, yes. for self-survival. Yes. And that's funny because Sarah Churchill being around these other ladies may not know how to interact with with Abigail and how to protect herself from Abigail trying to rise up through the ranks because they're yeah. just so different personality-wise and, and just their own lives have caused them to be like this. Yep. So now, just like Suspiria, this is a movie that's really about the female leads. Yes. Very little male influence or roles in this movie. They're all just in the background and they're all played well, but it's just great seeing these three women not only carry the movie, but sort of be celebrated throughout the movie. Yeah, and that was going to kind of be my wrap-up question in today's climate where we get strong female leads a lot now, which is great in films. Um, if this movie, if this same movie is made 15 years ago, 20 years ago, it's going to be about Queen Anne and the two men who advise her. Yeah. You know, yeah. It, those two, those two, politi- the one is the, um, the, the Tory politi- and the Whig. Yeah. The Tory and the Whig. It's going to be their battle to convince her and that's a completely different movie than what we actually get. So, all right, I would actually I absolutely recommend the favorite. You, Adam? Yeah, no doubt. All right, so that's going to wrap it up for the favorite. It's one of our favorites of the year. Uh, we absolutely loved it. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to listen in on a little bit about Vice. And when we come back, we'll check it out. This is the Film Coterie Podcast. I want you to be my VP. You the solution to my problem. Uh, I'm CEO of a large company. I have been uh, Secretary of Defense. I have been the Chief of Staff. Uh, the Vice Presidency is mostly a uh, symbolic job. Right, right. I can see how that wouldn't be uh, enticing to you. However, the vice presidency is also defined by the president. If we were to come to a uh, different understanding. Uh-huh. Go on. I'm listening. I sense that uh, you're a kinetic leader. You make decisions based on instinct. I am. Mm. People always said that. Yeah, yeah. Very different. Very different from uh, from your father in that regard. Now, maybe I can uh, handle some of the more mundane jobs, overseeing uh, bureaucracy, managing military, uh, energy, uh, foreign policy. That sounds good. All right, and we're back, and that was a little listen in to Vice. <clears throat> Vice, excuse me, is uh, Adam McKay's l- latest film, uh, set to release um, Christmas de- Day, Christmas Day, December December twenty fifth, and uh, Vice is the story about Dick Cheney, um, played by Christian Bell, who was uh, Dick Cheney was the vice president to George W. Bush, and the way that uh, McKay's take on how uh, Cheney helped to reshape um, government as we know it and um, the way that America interacts globally around the world. And um, 
a very um, unflattering look. I'll just say that to start us out with uh, in the life of Dick Cheney. And so uh, if you don't know who Adam McKay is, I'm actually a fan of Adam McKay's. I want that on the record before I get into my thoughts of this film. Um, I am a fan of Adam McKay's. I, I, I like his films a lot. Um, he, he has, he has done, um, several films that you probably would recognize. He was a writer on Ant-Man, uh, writer director for the big short. Uh, this is his actual second director thing since the big short, right? Or did he direct? Let me, let me look it up here real quick. Wonderful. Um, I think this is his next directorial effort since the big short. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, he did he did the first episode of Succession, which is an HBO series, and then Vice is his follow-up from the big short. Most people are going to know him from the Will Ferrell comedy. So he yes. he wrote and directed Anchorman, the sequel, The Other Guys, Step Brothers, um his Gary Sanchez productions he he owns with Will Ferrell. Yeah. And so I'll say this, if yeah. you've seen the big short, the same style and tone is coming into play with Vice. So he's telling a autobiographical tale of Dick Cheney that, that jumps around in his life, but has some intermissions, has some cutaways, has a narrator. You're not sure who the narrator is. Right. It has characters jumping in to explain things. Like it, he used Margot Robbie in The Big Short and some other people to explain complicated stock sales and everything else. He uses that same style in this movie. Right. And uh, uh, star-studded cast. I mean, Christian Bale plays Dick Cheney. Amy Adams plays Lynn Cheney. Steve Carroll plays Donald Rumsfeld. Sam Rockwell, who I'm just in love with. Every, I, every time he's on the screen, I'm just more and more impressed, plays uh, W. Bush. Uh, Jesse Plemons is our narrator. And uh, we won't talk specifically about who he is because we don't want to get into too many spoilers. Um, but just a great, great cast. Um, Tyler Perry plays Colin Powell and uh, really liked his performance. I thought he just kind of um, uh, nailed it there. But uh, um, let's get into Vice, and maybe we can do a comparison. There's a lot of things that can be said. And i, I got to be honest with you, Adam. I mean, let's just keep it real. For me, this is a hard film to review. And I'll tell you why. Because I'm not crazy about the film. I don't like the film, to be honest with you. And you liked The Big Short. Loved The Big Short. Yeah. And I'm a fan of Adam McKay's. The problem I run into is that I, there, there's a backlash that if you are going to say you don't like this film, people think you have a political bent involved in the film. We try to separate. I mean, we, you can't separate who you are and what you like, you know. But we try to be objective. We, You know, I, I, I love... Uh, I'll give you an example. I love Tom Cruise as an actor, but I don't care for his politics or his personal life all that much. So I can separate the two. Um, not a fan of Vice at all. I didn't think it worked. Um, I thought it was angry all the time. Um, it, it just um, scenes that were in the film that I thought had no relevance to the story. Um, it seemed slower. It wasn't as snappy and quick as the big short. It's it's like, you know, this formula for me just did not work in this movie. Yeah, I'm on the same page with you there. I mean, I'm not a fan of Dick Cheney, but at the same time, the way the movie's assembled with the way Adam McKay's making it, it didn't really work for me either. There's some strange scenes. Like, I think they thought they'd play better in the editing room than they play in a theater where they they showed Dick and his wife doing a Shakespeare soliloquy yeah or there's yeah. A, a fake ending where the credits roll and it it's just it's almost too silly 
where the movie has enough humor in it because of the, the things that are happening in the world. Right. And yeah. we have the knowledge in 2018 we didn't have back then. So some things are funny when people are making decisions that we know the impact of. But the the extra kind of satirical edge where it worked in the big short and it was kind of unique, it just falls flat here, at least for yeah. me. There's still some laughs in the movie. Yep. I did Absolutely. really like Christian Bale's performance of Dick Cheney. I thought he does a really good job in the role, especially throughout the years. I, I think I, I think it was for me it was just okay. Um he's so heavily makeuped and when you because I knew it was Christian Bale going in, it's hard for me to connect because I'm seeing Christian Bale under the makeup. So that I would just say it's an okay for me. Um I loved Sam Rockwell as W. Thought he was fantastic. And, and he, I, he really doesn't get enough screen time in this movie. He does not. I mean, l- let's do a W movie and put him in there. That guy can... Well, Oliver Stone already has. <laughs> okay, I guess you're right, yes. But, um, no, I, I yeah, that is... I thought he was great. And I, I really like... Tyler Perry doesn't get a lot of time as Colin Powell, but I thought he did an excellent job. Was very uh, kind of conflicted to have to, you know, go out and give a speech that he knew was a lie in his mind, if that's true, you know? And so... Um, yeah, so there were some solid, there were some good things about this movie that I really enjoyed, but overall the tone just very angry. I mean, it was just like he was, he's, he's mad that this happened and mad that this, and he's ready to show the world that this is what happened. And I think you but here's can, the thing. It's not a revelation. No, that's I think we thing. all accept that. Yes. Dick Cheney was running the country and there was no, yeah, that we get it. There was no weapons of mass destruction in yeah. Iraq and the information was misleading. And, uh, and for me, the more interesting part of the movie was when Cheney was in the Nixon administration as a younger power hungry guy moving up through the ranks. And that's kind of where the favorite plays in too. Yeah. And, and just seeing that part of the story, cause that's not as well known to us now. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, um, for me, you know, um, if you're really into politics, you really like Adam McKay's work, you know, you, I, you might want to check it out. Um, but I, I gotta say it's a pass for me. I don't know. I may be in the, I may be in the minority and the critics may love this film, but I just did not enjoy this film at all. It was, it was a rough set for me. Yeah. And you know what? Here's the interesting thing. It came out that this was the most nominated <laughs> film at the Golden Globes, but all the critics have been under embargo for two weeks. So I yeah. really don't know where it's going to fall. I, I think it's going to be positively reviewed, but I don't think it'll be as well reviewed as The Big Short. And I'm honestly concerned if, if Adam McKay is going to keep this style going forward. I, I think it's not going to work with every movie. And maybe he just needs to find a different approach to this material. Yeah, yeah, I would think so. I, maybe if we didn't have The Big Short, this would have been a little more revelatory. It would have felt more unique. Yeah. But it's just a weaker version of, of telling a story through his lens at a la Big Short. Okay. So uh, anyway, if you get a chance and want to see it, hey, agree, disagree, think we're crazy, think we're right on, let us know. Um, but I just, I'm going to have to give the, I'm going to have to give Vice a pass, I, you know. Um, and I'm not a real big fan of the biopics that go 30 some years that span decades of a person's life. I much prefer the short, give me Give me a one month, give me a week, give me a one year in the life of a person that was absolutely critical. So The deeper dive instead of the widespread. Yes, yes, as well. So, Okay, well, that's going to wrap it up for um, Vice. We're going to take a quick break, come back and uh, tell you about our coming attractions, what we have to look forward to next week on the Film Cuttery Podcast. Mm-hmm. 
All right, we are back, and this is our final segment called Coming Attractions. Adam, what do we have to look forward to on next week's episode of The Film Coterie? We're going to be taking a look at some bigger budgeted films, such as Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, Mortal Engines, and then at some point, Roger and I will also be seeing Mary Poppins Returns, as well as Aquaman Yeah, and Bumblebee. So we've got like another five films before the end of the year to get out over the next couple weeks uh, on the podcast. So I think that's going to wrap it up. Let's keep it nice and short this week on the Film Coterie. Uh, Get out there and do your holiday shopping. Maybe you've already done. Uh, Enjoy your time with your family. Go to the movies. Um, If they want to follow us, find us, yell at us, agree with us, disagree with us, Adam, how can they do that on the social interwebs? We're on Facebook. If you just go to facebook.com backslash filmcoterie, you'll see our page. Go ahead and like and follow it. Or if you hop over and underneath the social media, such as Twitter or Instagram, we have the same handle on both. It is just at filmcoterie. All right. That sounds great. We'll see you next time on another episode of the Film Coterie Podcast.